Hello and welcome to the debut episode of the Pishan podcast series. I'm excited to be one of your hosts today. My name is Tinola Akimbolagri and I will be co-hosting this episode alongside the esteemed Ms. Leslie-Anne Long. She's the CEO and President of GBC Health, that's the Global Business Coalition for Health. We're thrilled to have three distinguished guests joining us for today's episode and Leslie-Anne will introduce them in a moment. But before we get started, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about the Private Sector Health Alliance of Nigeria, Pishan. So Pishan is a not-for-profit business-led organization founded to improve Nigeria's healthcare system. We do this by mobilizing resources and capabilities to provide accessible, affordable, and first-rate healthcare solutions to everyday Nigerians. We recognize that the government cannot do it alone and so adopt a coordinated nationwide multi-stakeholder approach to create transformative health outcomes. Visit us at pshan.org, that's P-S-H-A-N.org and A-D-H-F-P.org to learn more about us and how you can be a part of this journey. Join us now as we dive deep into the world of transforming health systems in Nigeria We have an engaging and informative episode ahead and can't wait to share this with you. Thank you. So I'm just going to briefly introduce you now, Professor Mohamed Nasir Sambo. Welcome, sir. Director General of the National Health Insurance Authority. Formerly, Professor Sambo was Provost of the College of Medicine at Kaduna State University, and he's a Distinguished Fellow of the West African College of Physicians. Kunle Oyelano, Managing Director of GlaxoSmithKline Nigeria. Kunle also brings a background of manufacturing and distribution insights uh, within the health sector in Nigeria, but also has really important perspectives to bring as an employer of a large workforce with regional offices around the country. And Kunle is also VP of the Nigeria Employer Consultative Association, so is also able to bring his expertise and perspectives from that very important role. So welcome to you too. Our final guest, Odonio Sanya, is the Executive Secretary of MTN Foundation. MTN is known for the incredible work that it's doing within the health, education, banking and development telecommunications sectors in Nigeria. And I know you also have a personal interest in the importance of leadership and mentorship and empowerment of youth and women in this space as well. So welcome all. I'm looking forward to the conversation. And I'm going to hand back to Tinu to ask the first question, which is going to be to all of you to answer. Thank you so much, Leslie-Anne. So, I mean, health systems in Nigeria, I'd like us to each speak to our understanding of what the Nigerian health system is. Please go ahead, Mr. Oyelano. Thank you very much. Um, if we are to look at the uh, the healthcare system uh, in Nigeria, uh, the structure of it, we probably can uh, slice and dice it in several ways. If we want to look at the key building blocks, we, we will look at uh, five, six or seven things. Uh, I think the first one, of course, is the, the, the health workforce. And of course, the kind of, uh, again, the, how the health system is financed. The leadership, uh, the governance, the structure of the health system, it's another pretty important thing that uh, we need to consider. Then we, we will also look at separately the, the, med- the kind of uh, goods, the commodities, the medical products, the vaccines, technologies that are available in the, in the health system. 
and service delivery are how the how the patient at the end of that health system, the kind of service that they get. And I think the, the sixth would be the kind of information that is available for, for decision making in the healthcare system. Those probably are the key pillars that one would consider um, when we look at the health, health system in Nigeria. Thank you so much, Mr. Elano. Um, I'm glad that you started out with the human resources for health, being that that is a component that in a, a lot of cases takes up to 50% of the actual cost of healthcare delivery in Nigeria. So over to Odonayo now. Uh, thank you very much. I, I think it was like uh, maybe I spied into Mr. Yelano's notes or he spied into my mind. You know, the moment you asked that question, I just drew some arrows. And for me, um, health, the health system, first of all, I see it as a value chain. Um, and, you know, it's just made up of, of, like he said, we have the personnel, we have uh, services. You know, in it, we also have the enablers. The enablers will be things like uh, the, the complementary pharmaceutical industries, the, um, the equipment that are used. And then you look at uh, even the customers that we serve because the customers are different, the, the various customer segments. And of course, data are very important. And of course, without uh, leaving that up, funding, very critical. And these are pillars that if we um, slice and dice, expand, you know, we find that everything within the health sector falls into one of those pillars or the other. But I think the way that uh, I see the health sector is that we've, uh, you know, we've looked at it in Nigeria as one. We're not looking at it as many parts of one. And so because of that, it, it can make involvement very daunting for those who want to, you know, get involved in it. So you, you look at it, healthcare, whether private or uh, public sector, it's, it's assumed that it's one. So by the time you're, you're rolling out a hospital or a healthcare, primary healthcare center, you are the same person, you know, you have to think of all of those things. But maybe perhaps if those things were treated as uh, elements of the value chain and, and professionals come in and own those key elements. It might even make it easy on the government and also on private uh, organizations who are uh, intervening in one way or the other. And I also see that is a very critical system in any society or, or community because when people survive, they can become whatever they choose to become. After they battled, you know, uh, childhood uh, diseases or adulthood uh, diseases, on, only when they come through, when they have systems that enable them, uh, can they pull through. And I, I just to round off, I just find that looking at health, the healthcare system from within Nigeria, uh, it's broken. The one way we saw that, and it was scary, was during the COVID. And I think, you know, it does require a lot of attention, but maybe unbundling it will help, you know, give it a better um, and more qualitative type of attention that it needs. Thank you so much for that insight. I, I think what you've said makes so much sense, uh, that it's a value chain of intertwined components. And I, I agree with you that some of the problems we've had is people assume health is one entity rather than several components, each of which could be attended to by professionals. These components could be unpacked, as you've said, and in that way, we could have investors, uh, various stakeholders, 
focusing on each separate component rather than trying to do all together and uh, poorly. And as you said, the pandemic did reveal the underbelly of our healthcare systems and showed just all where all the weaknesses are. Um, so over to Prof. Uh, as a professor of policy, I know he's going to give us a very in-depth answer as well. If we want to understand a very, uh, have a very good understanding of health and health uh, systems, we, we start from the definition of health. There were so many definitions of health. Uh, sociologists and, and other scholars have tried to define health. Uh, because of the confusion in the definition of health, WHO had to interject to define health as uh, a state of physical, mental, social uh, well-being, not merely an absence of disease or infirmity. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Similarly, the health sector, the framework of understanding health sectors, there are so many frameworks. If you look read the literature, there is actors framework, there is uh, system, uh, system thinking framework, and so on and so forth. Until when WHO, there is a control norms framework uh, according to Harvard School of Public Health, and there is, uh, there is another framework that is called health system model. So if you look at, if you read literature, you will see quite a, a numerous models of healthcare, of health uh, system framework. Until when um, uh, perhaps the World Health Organization came and said, look, let us aggregate all these ideas and bring these six building blocks of health system. I think that the World Health Organization has simplified so many things for us because the whole essence is that if you have this good appreciation of health system, you can be able to undertake a thorough analysis of the health system and you can be able to even diagnose a problem and undertake system diagnosis to identify where the problem is in the, in the healthcare delivery system. And you will be able to provide a therapy. So if there is a problem with health system uh, that has to do with human resource, or it has to do with service delivery, or it has to do with uh, with uh, with governance and, and 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 leadership, or it has to do with uh, supply of commodities and 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 what have you, or it has to do with finance, you can easily uh, you can easily isolate where the problem is, deep dive into it and find the root cause of the problem. When we have this uniformity in understanding, I think it provides a basis for, for comparison between a country and a country. Having said that, what is this situation in Nigeria? I, I think let's, let's look at the macro picture. What is the difference between Nigerian health system and Ghanaian health system? What is the difference between Nigerian health system and Rwanda health system? There are some countries where health systems are unitary. This is very, very fundamental in terms of program development, implementation of programs, and monitoring and evaluation of health system. If you look at the Nigerian health system, it, is, it, it follows a federalism kind of health system, whereby there is a central government and there are sub-national governments and there are local governments. The health system of Nigeria aligns with the, the, the political structure of the health system. For example, you have a tertiary health system, which is responsibility of the federal government. You have a secondary health system, which is responsibility of state. Then you, you have a, a, a primary health system, which is responsibility, responsibility of our local government. 
A policy can be developed at the national level. A state may say, I, want, I will not want to implement it. We, we all agree in Nigeria that health insurance cannot be implemented at the central level alone. It should be decentralized into the states. And on the basis of that, National Health Act was developed. And it is provided in the National Health Act that there will be what is called Basic Health Provision Fund. And this fund is, is coming from the Consolidated Revenue Account of the federal government. And for, every, for any state to benefit from that fund, which, is, which has so many gateways, they have to have uh, health insurance agencies. If you come to Nigeria, four states and FCT have created uh, the, the, the health insurance agencies. Two states, Akwa Ivom Aribas, they have not developed uh, 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 health insurance agencies. The fact that those states have not created their, their social health insurance uh, agencies, they are now not benefiting from the fund that is coming. And it is, it is affecting the, 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 the population that are supposed to be beneficiaries. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. this understanding is very, very key, even as we are developing a program. And most of the challenges of the healthcare problems that we have in Nigeria as a result of inability of the local governments to perform the st their stewardship role in ensuring that primary healthcare functions at the local government level. And we now saw a situation whereby the state governors have also rendered the local government important. So despite the fact that the, 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 the national policy has vested the responsibility to the local government, now the local government, they are just there in papers. The state governors have taken over all the, 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 the activities in the, local, in the local government. So what we want, the kind of outcome, output and the outcome that we want, that we, we are supposed to see at the local government is not, is not, is not coming. And if you go strictly by this division, the federal government has no hand in what is happening at the primary healthcare level. But if the primary healthcare level is not, is not put in place, there is a, what is called bypass in the healthcare, in the healthcare system. Uh -huh. and uh -huh. ideally, ideally, people should, should primarily get to the primary healthcare system. If the system is not functioning, they will find themselves they at the secondary. They bypass. Exactly. If the, if the secondary healthcare system is not functioning, they bypass to the tertiary health system. So, so therefore, because of all these problems, you now go and see the teaching, our teaching hospital that are supposed to be a super specialized centers are uh, concentrating more in, 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 um, in malaria. attending to yes. um, malaria and, 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 and other primary healthcare challenges. I knew Professor was going to bring us a, an academic analysis. And I love the fact that you've explained why when people compare the Ghanaian healthcare system or the Rwandan healthcare system and make statements like, oh, we're bigger than them, we should be able to do better than them. They fail to understand that they run a unitary system while because of our federal system or our decentralized system, basically anything goes here. So you have to convince 36 or 37 sets of people each time a new policy comes out. I mean, we saw that even during the pandemic, 
when a particular state in Nigeria, I won't call names, but we know who we're talking about, decided that uh, COVID doesn't exist in their state and refused to follow the rules that everybody else across Nigeria had to follow. So I, I salute you, sir, for that very detailed analysis. And uh, I, I, I agree with you that there need to be accountability frameworks put in place so that the PHCs, which form the bedrocks uh, and the responsibility for that is at the local government level. That is why Pishan has ventured where angels fear to tread. And we have decided to start off by working on the PHCs, uh, which was part of what we launched just late last year, Adopt a Healthcare Facility Program, focused on the primary healthcare centers in Nigeria. So I'll hand over to Leslie now. Uh, who will run through some of the other questions. Thank you. I'm actually going to turn to you now, Kunle, because you know, we've heard about the kind of investment that needs to be made in health system strengthening. We also know that's a tough case to make. Health is just one of many things that they're asked to invest in. So we'd really love to get your take about how is that case for investment made? Thank you very much, Leslie. Um, it's been mentioned in various forms that the healthcare system in Nigeria is very weak. I, I, I thought I heard the word broken really. I mean, really, really very weak. Whilst it's evolving, the gains that have been made have been very modest and they are, take, are taking, mistaking far too long. What are the current outcomes that we have and why, why, why should we be bothered that this needs to change? If you look at infant mortality in Nigeria, probably one of the highest in the world, you look at under five mortality, pretty, pretty steep. Look at vaccination coverage rates, even when the vaccines are free, um, uh, vaccination coverage rates in some states in Nigeria is as low as 30%. That means three out of uh, 10 children are fully vaccinated um, of, the, of, of the basic childhood vaccines. Look at access to medicine. Um, it's, an, it's, an, it's, an, it's an index that the Federal Ministry of Health has worked on access to medicine. And the latest data shows that less than 40% of Nigerians um, have access to medicine. That, that is, they are able to get the medicine when they need it, where they need it, at a cost that is affordable to them. Um, these are measures which translate ultimately to probably one of the most important life measures, the life expectancy of the, of, of, of the Nigerian, which uh, um, probably about 53, 55 years, depending on the data that you're looking at. And the, the life expectancy will make, is just one measure, right? But embedded into that is a lot of things, quality of life, human capacity development, and those things are all embedded and there. Uh, the, the metrics, all the numbers are definitely not in the right place. So one of the things we're forcing to realize is that the, the, the numbers we're working on, the outcomes we desire, we're not getting it. If we're making a case for, um, for, for, for financing, for investment, a lot of talk has gone around this. Um, a lot of policymakers have actually articulated some reforms that actually could, uh, could, could would, would help to drive the outcomes to where we want. For, for example, I think one of the declarations of, health, of the health ministers and global health ministers uh, made a recommendation that at least 15% of the national budget of countries should be spent on healthcare. Um, in Nigeria, the latest data I checked probably suggests less than 2% of the budget is on healthcare. It is generally accepted that for you to get to a level where access to healthcare is, uh, is above 70%, where you begin to approach universal healthcare coverage, you do need to you, you need to have the ratio of your public expenditure to GDP at about five percent. In Nigeria currently, it's probably about one percent or less. A, a number of factors are, are responsible for this. 
where we have about 30,000 PHCs, uh, primary healthcare centers, and about less than 100 tertiary healthcare centers and 30,000 primary healthcare centers. But in reality, you find out that there's much more funding going to those 100, 100 tertiary healthcare centers than the 30,000. Uh, and it tells us straight off that something is wrong somewhere. If 30,000 units are getting far less funding than 100 tertiary hospitals, and the reason is pretty basic, right? There's more money at the federal level than at the local government level. But that 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 structure, that tilt um, against primary health care has implications. There's probably much more, too much emphasis on curative medicine rather than preventive medicine. So everyone gets sick before you're treated. So we're getting some very good investment in, I mean, uh, cancer diagnosis, oncology materials at the tertiary healthcare level. But because the preventive measures and the systems at the primary health care level is so poor, people get diagnosed at a stage where it's too late to do anything. So all the investments in tertiary health care for, for oncology, for instance, would probably not make it much of a difference. If we had appropriately equipped primary health care and we had properly equipped secondary health care, those cases um, would be caused in the very early stages, where there's still a lot of hope um, to, to remedy the situation. So there's some kind of perverse incentive in, within, within, within the system that's attributable to governance and to the structure. So to an extent that needs to be fixed. Now, in terms of making a case for, for investment, why should we, for instance, put more money in healthcare? One of the biggest things that's probably happened in the last, uh, in the last few years in Nigeria is a reform around the National Healthcare Insurance Act, and I'm glad profits here. If that is implemented correctly, it would be a, a, a major catalyst for many, many things in the country. For, for example, a number of these policies are made without the appropriate input of the private sector, without actually carrying the private sector along with it. And you know, that's a bit curious because the private sector accounts for 60% of healthcare resourcing in Nigeria. If, if you look at the provinces, probably accounts for 40%. Most Nigerians still get their, 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 their health care from the private sector one way or the other, uh, through all the clinics, through all the pharmacies or the pitamines and stuff. So in reality, if you're going to have any policy, you do need from the ground floor to involve the private sector. And that's why I'm pretty pleased that PISHAN is actually coordinating and organizing this because I think it's very, very important. In a sense, we probably focus too much on the on the supply side of the healthcare delivery without actually looking at the demand side. And the demand side is probably where we should look at in the sense that from the, the demand for it is not as good as it should be. If we're talking about 40% access to access to medicine, that's very poor demand. But if there's universal healthcare coverage where the patient does not have to pay out of pocket, I can tell you, for instance, that every stage of that value chain will probably live a very, very short time will have some multiply effects. I'll give you an example. There'll be more demand for medicines, for, 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 for pharmaceuticals, if everyone or most people that need medicines can actually get it at a price that can afford, if they can find a payer like the, insur like the, insur like the, like the insurance agencies to pay for it. it within a short time, it's a very low hanging fruit. It can probably double the size of the pharma market in Nigeria. And that's one thing we don't like. Again, going back to that demand side, for a country of 200 million people, the size of the industry is pretty small. It's, it's by far less than that of Turkey, for instance. The pharma industry in Nigeria is by far, by far less than that of South Africa, a country that has 50 million people. Nigeria has about 200 million people. 
the per capita consumption of medicines in Nigeria compared to, say, a Turkey is about one tenth and about one fifth of that of South Africa, which tells you that despite the fact that the, the disease burden is pretty high here, people really can't afford to, afford to buy medicines because the demand side is not being addressed. That is one of the major game changers. That is why the universal healthcare coverage um, uh, uh, being driven uh, by NHRA will be a game changer, not, not just for the patient, but for the entire value chain of healthcare in Nigeria. I think I'll pause there because I'm sure there'll be other contributions. Yeah, well, thank you for that that response. And and as you say, you know, there are there are a number of issues around access and affordability, and looking at outcomes in terms of not just absence of disease, but socio-economic outcomes, quality of life, and that focus on shifting from the focus from tertiary to primary healthcare. And as you said, this is why Pishan is really investing its energies into creating that demand, which as you say, can they will have a kind of amplifying effect throughout the whole of the value chain. So thank you for that response. Um, Tinu, I'm gonna pass back to you because I know you have a couple of questions that you wanted to ask as well. Yes, thank you so much. I just want to speak to uh, highlight two things that Mr. Oyelano just said. I mean, it's instructive, as he mentioned, that we have about 100 tertiary institutions in Nigeria, and the funding to those is higher than to all 30,000 primary healthcare institutions. That shows us that there's something fundamentally wrong and that we need to start correcting from the ground up. Also, he mentioned that the private sector accounts for 60% of the healthcare resourcing in Nigeria. And so they must be involved from the ground floor. I must commend Prof and his team because I know personally that part of their uh, modus operandi for the new law is that they're inviting stakeholders from all sectors, including the private sector, to be involved in how that is to be implemented. So, I mean, it, it's a, a good coincidence that you're here, Prof. I'm not just saying that because you're here. So it, it's instructive that they also bring in an all stakeholders, and that would ensure that when implementation uh, is rolled out, I know Mr. Oyelano with his role at NECA has also, I'm sure, been a part of that and had some exchanges with the NHIA. It would only just make sense. And once that is done and everybody's um, perspectives are taken in from the ground floor, it would make implementation so much easier and the desired outcomes could be achieved. So thank you so much for those points. Um, so I'm going to direct my next question to Odoayo um, because she has a perspective as uh, a representative of the private sector that is giving back. You know, they're doing their part, not just from a CSR point of view, but even from a sustainability point of view. If you don't give back to the community, both your clients, your consumers, and even your staff, you know, if they don't have good health care, then it would ultimately uh, affect your operations. So when you compare the status quo in Nigeria, health-wise, to what is obtainable in other climes, what measures do you think can help to change the direction of Nigeria? I mean, there are a few things that have been implemented recently or policies passed. I actually thought we'd hear a little bit about the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement which is opening up a lot of space uh, for robust interactions across all the African states. But I'm not going to answer the question. I'm going to 
throw it back to you, Odroayo. What measures can be employed to change the direction of healthcare in Nigeria? Yeah, so thanks. Um, and I really enjoyed uh, listening to uh, the prof and uh, Mr. Yelano. So for us, it's about a partnership for the goals. And I think that's uh, SDG 17, really, because only when you partner can you scale, can you, you know, uh, deliver on the impact and value that you really want to see. It's never been a dearth of policies, but how do we implement the policies? We work a lot with uh, primary health care centers. And yes, over 30,000 of them, but uh, not up to 3,000 actually effectively, you know, functioning effectively. So I think the first thing is, can we just implement the policies? We can be in the, in the mail room of policies forever and people are dying. Children are, you know, maternal and infant mortality rates extremely high in Nigeria today. And so I think we need to look at uh, the policies we have and begin to ASAP implement what benefits, you know, especially the grassroots, because I see that we have good policies. I'm not going to go into, it's not my job to, you know, slice and dice the policies, but I know that. Now, the second thing is local government is, as we're taught in, even in primary school, is the closest uh, level of uh, level of government to the people, but it's, it's also become the farthest from the people. And we know why in Nigeria, for instance, there's the battle between, you know, the, the local government autonomy issues and all of that, that we must deal with. Because like you said, we work with, you know, um, subnational uh, um, hospitals, that's the state hospitals, and we also work with the national, that's the federal hospitals. And you find people are coming there just to treat malaria. People are coming there because, oh, they couldn't get a particular medication. They have to leave their locality and come all the way, you know, to the town to get it. So I think we need to urgently deal with that. But even when we deal with the local government, hopefully autonomy uh, issues, uh, one of the reasons why, because I speak a lot with private sector organizations who really want to come into the health space, but they're standing on the fringes. Why? Because there's just no accountability framework. The way that the private sector is, is structured, like you know, is different, way different from, uh, from the way the, the public sector is structured. And someone is asking, okay, if I get into that place, how do I know who's going to be responsible for X, Y, Z is a big issue. The accountability framework that I think Prof had also mentioned, we must fix them. Now, what do we do at the MTN? Uh, at MTN? Uh, so I just pause and talk a bit about what we do. Um, the, the MTN Foundation is, you know, is solely funded by MTN Nigeria. We're very... Um, deliberate and intentional about elevating the quality of life of people in the communities that we operate in, because we, we recognize that when they're good, then the business too is good. You know, so for us, the primary healthcare uh, centers has been um, on our radar for close to about eight to nine years now. And going around the country, we've seen that, you know, this value chain also is broken there. So they don't have equipment to work with. They, they don't have um, personnel 
They don't have, at times, even the, the, the structures virtually don't exist. People are, they're in um, some form of makeshift structures just to provide healthcare to the people in the communities. We must fix this. So what do we do? We, we come in and we go, you know, do our, our assessments and we determine the, the uh, private healthcare sectors to intervene in. So we cover, we do um, civil work repairs, that's the structural repairs we cover. Uh, we provide um, equipment. And um, now we've also found that a lot of this healthcare, uh, primary healthcare centers don't even have water. Water is foundational to, to a, a, a strong healthcare system. So people are going to the clinic there's no water. And so for oh, us... Oh, power. They don't have water. They don't have power. Let's even start with water. Do, <laughs> do you see? It's so... I, I think for me, if I have to prioritize, I'll say water and then power. You understand. But because power, you can use your touch. I'm not saying it's, it's right. You know... Yes, alternative. there's yeah. an alternative. Water yes. Is, is is, you know, so dire in, in those places. And so for... So... The, the private um, sector will ask, you know, every time people lay things at the, uh, at the feet of the private sector. But the private sector is wary of, you know, going into a system where there's no accountability. So when you go to investors, when you go to, um, you know, shareholders, you want funding for this, these are the questions you get asked. And so these things must be fixed such that, you know, private sector begins to come up. And I, I, I would also give an example. We've talked a lot about insurance. I said at, at the foundation, we have a program where, so even beyond, we found that even beyond the primary healthcare centers, there's still a gap. So the primary healthcare centers in various local governments and all of that, but there's still a, a gap, even at the grassroots level, to certain very, very remote um, communities. Yes. So what we've done is that beyond that, we now have to, you know, kind of bridge that gap. And so that's where we, we have our Yellow Doctor uh, uh, program. It's a mobile, uh, uh, it's, it's a healthcare, last mile healthcare delivery system uh, on wheels where we use, you know, we, we have a mobile clinic, we, we have uh, uh, doctors inside, nurses, data analysts, because we also recognize that data is very key. Because when we have the right data, that's another thing we need to deal with, another pillar. Uh, when the right data exists, it's easy for investors to come in because you are targeting, you know, where you need to target. So for the yellow uh, doctor, uh, truck. We go into the very remote um, uh, parts. There, there, there are areas where we have to park the trucks and get on the staff get on uh, boats to get into those communities. And what have we done? We've tried to bundle together, you know, this uh, to see how much of the value chain that I spoke to we could cover. So we have the personnel. We have uh, uh, prescriptions, pre uh, um, medications. We have um, hygiene parks for pregnant women and younger ladies. 
and all this of course are uh, fully paid for catered for to by MTN uh, the foundation so we go into those communities and do that and then you know we leave them with take a lot of data which we later share with the ministries of uh, health within the states and the national ministry of health and then you know you leave the people with their basic health cards their their blood pressure their sugar level checks and all of that and for the things because when we on with the yellow doctor program we can do everything so we refer some things to you know uh, other the secondary healthcare uh, providers So I'm going to go to my last question, which I'm going to address to everybody. Odoayo seems to have gotten a sneak peek at my questions, because she's already started off with answering that. Let's assume that I'm a genie and I'm here to grant your wish. And my question to you would be, what is the role of the private sector in supporting healthcare transformation in Nigeria? So if the private sector come to meet you as the DG of NHIA and say, we want to support in an ideal world, what role do you think we could play? So I'm your magic genie for today, Prof. Yes, I, I, would, have, I, I would have loved if you have asked me as an independent uh, professional in healthcare, not a DG. Okay, so I'm, I'm, okay, okay, I'm going to change it so that you can be free to respond in your personal capacity. Yes, then, then I, I will start as, as, as a health expert, then I will zero as, as health insurance, because I have a concern about the model you have done, you, you are doing on the adoption of, uh, of, uh, of adoption of PSC center. I would prefer, I, I, I like the, 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 uh, the submission by Kule, where he mentioned that the demand side is usually neglected. And in your adoption of PSC policy, I see that playing out very, very clearly. When you have gone, you have done very well in terms of adopting uh, PSC facilities. But the issue of sustainability is the major concern because at the end of the day, we want people to have a financial access to that healthcare facilities. And uh, if you look at the, the evolution of the health system in Nigeria and various efforts are put in by the government, there have been policies upon policies where construction of healthcare facilities were done. The first policy where primary healthcare facilities were constructed was in, in 2000, 2001, during, during President Olusegun the idea of the NPSCD then was to construct uh, 774 healthcare facilities at local government. They started with a flagship uh, construction of 200 facilities, very beautiful facilities, but they were not sustainable because the facilities were established. Basic drugs were not there after the initial consignment basic uh, maintenance of primary healthcare facility, basic human resource to, to manage the facilities were not there. So at, at the end of the day, I don't know whether those primary healthcare facilities are still in existence. While that was going on, MDGs came with its own intervention. A lot of facilities were constructed, but they follow the same pathway. 
So at the end of the day, we have so many facilities that, are, that were constructed, there were no even sustainability. So rather than adopting facilities, why don't you adopt communities? What is adopting community? Instead of investing in the healthcare facilities, you now invest from, in the demand side. Pay insurance premium for the members of the community over a period of years. Then that money that, is, that you are paying for the communities will not be used to either upgrade facilities or construct new facilities. Through that, addressing the demand side, as well as addressing the, 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 the supply side. But talking as, a, as an expert, yes. uh, where will be the role of the private sector? So private before sector. you go to that, sir, I just want to yes. quickly interrupt. I didn't want to break your chain of uh, thought when you were speaking. Uh, luckily, uh, at Pishan, I mean, I had a health insurance background. I was in health insurance for 15 years uh, before going into diagnostics and now into the nonprofit. What we actually do is similar to what you've described. We are adopting the community. So part of our criteria before we take on any PhD is there must be state health insurance scheme, and we tie that in with the facility that we adopt. So once we're adopting a, a, a facility, we ensure that health insurance is active in that facility so that they have funds coming in. And then we also have private partners that work with us to pay for the health insurance um, access for the people that are based in that particular center. Also, we work with them for a drug revolving fund. Some of those of the states now have what they call a DMA, Drug Monitoring Agency. Mm -hmm. So we work with the DMA and we put funds as well so that that money revolves within the system. Also, we work with uh, equipment suppliers. We put maintenance agreements in place. And then we bring in the stakeholders in the community. So we have a governance council made up of elders in the community, professionals in the community, successful people in the community, either they've retired, traditional rulers, so that they take ownership. Those are some of the things that we've put in place, such that sustainability is guaranteed. Even for some of the, the programs that we're working with to provide power at the community, they are going to have power stations located at the health centers so that they can generate funds for themselves. So that uh, it's like a hub and spoke model so that other institutions in the community that need power can come to the healthcare center, use their power or run a line from the healthcare center. That way they generate income for themselves. So we also analyze it from a sustainability point of view. There's no point going in, spending so much money, and then after a couple of years, everything peters out. It needs to be sustainable. All our programs are fully integrated with the state health insurance scheme, and that is a minimum criteria for any PhD that we intervene in. Thanks for that clarification. Uh, I need yes. to study the document uh, thoroughly. I, I thought yes, those aspects were not integrated, but I'm glad that uh, this concern has been uh, has been factored in at the yes. conceptualization stage. Then, uh, am I right to am I okay to go to the yes, to the please. Next step? I apologize uh, for interrupting you. I just no, wanted no, it, to put that but there. But it's, <laughs> it's illuminative. It's illuminative. So thanks Thank for you. that uh, clarification. Whether we like it or not, 
Health is an industry. Health is an industry. Health system is, is an industry. It has human capital. It has commodities. It has service provision, uh, structures, hospitals, and so on and so forth. What are the healthcare priorities? What are the healthcare strategies? What are the activities that will be done? I think that detailed work has to be done. And what commodities and what services do we require? What are the gaps? And how do we position ourselves to close those gaps? So a, a, a comprehensive diagnosis of healthcare system is needed to enable myriads of private sector to look at exactly where they will come, they, they will come in. Because health is not looking at only the service delivery. We are talking about commodities, drugs, and other uh, commodities that are coming. Those are exclusive preserve of a private sector because no, no government will be providing drugs. Nobody will be providing cotton wools in a population of over 200 million. So private sector has a lot to do in terms of developing necessary industries that can actually provide the commodities that are needed to drive the healthcare services. When it comes to service delivery, for us to be able to convince that private sector has a very big role, we need to do a political economy analysis. How much dollar, how much naira is Nigeria losing every day in medical tourism? This is where you start. There is a huge capital loss as a result of tourism in healthcare industry. And this, whether we like it or not, is, is, it has a telling effect on our system and on, uh, and on, on our economy. How do we arrest that? To arrest that, we need to begin to ask questions. What are, the, what are our people going out to seek for in terms of medical tourism? That's the first question that we need to ask. And uh, what can we do to provide what they, what they go out for to, to, to have it here? I, I don't think the private sector should just sit down and be asking government what we can do. Private sector can commission a very big research and identify gaps and, 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 and develop strategies on how to identify, how to close the gaps. The gap is too wide. In fact, they need to bring more private sector, more collaboration to address the gaps. So, so what, what will yes. government do as a policy? I'm sure uh, I participated in the development of public-private partnership policy in health. All those policies have not been implemented. We had the policy. Uh -huh. They were developed. Healthcare financing policy, human resource in health policy, policy on health management information system. All those policies have been developed. Nigeria is not devoid of policies. I agree with you. Thank you so much, Prof, for that insight. Uh, but just to add, I know that um, the healthcare reform committee that was inaugurated by the president, I believe late 2021, which is chaired by the vice president, Professor Oshibadro, has that mandate to x-ray the healthcare uh, system in Nigeria. And they do have a lot of private uh, sector uh, members on that committee. And we do await their, their report. I'm part of that committee. 
but the diagnosis more need, needs to be more robust. So maybe the private sector itself needs to come together, do an analysis, and go to the government and say, these are what we need you to put in play for us to be able to function optimally. Once that enabling environment is in place, I promise you, you'd be amazed at what both the local and the international community can do in the healthcare space. I know Mr. Oyelana is going to throw a bit more light on some of the things you've mentioned. So I'm going to throw the same question to you. Uh, what do you see as the role of the private sector in supporting the health transformation in Nigeria? Thank you very much. Uh, um, so I, I kind of like what Prof mentioned. I think there was a point he mentioned that was interesting to me that probably the right diagnosis have not been done in terms of why, why do we have such a wide gap between the desired outcomes and the current outcomes that we have. I, I suspect that if we were to do those root cause analysis and we were to do the deep diagnosis of what the challenge is, it probably will fit into one or two buckets. The bucket of efficiency, driving better efficiency, and the bucket of driving effectiveness. Um, and if driving efficiency and driving effectiveness are areas where the private sector is pretty good at, um, unlike the public sector. Uh, private, private sector is, of course, a lot less bureaucratic. If I'm to talk about what the private sector could contribute uh, in terms of driving efficiency, I probably should think it's one, one of those, it's probably a low-hanging fruit. One, one of the things that need to be done, which the private sector is very good at, is look at the entire value chain of healthcare delivery in Nigeria. Um, look at the entire pillars of the healthcare system and see how at each, at each stage of the value chain, for each pillar, how technology can enable our technology can, can make us to leapfrog. For example, let, let me take the pillar of service delivery. It's probably where technology will have the biggest impact almost immediately. We're, we're not talking much about uh, telehealth. Um, we've got very, very good uh, internet penetration in Nigeria, courtesy of the likes of MTN and all that. But are we exploiting that to the fullest in actually delivering in, in enabling healthcare? Probably not. Uh, professor mentioned about drug, um, drug, drug system and drug availability. There's a lot of technology available these days where there's, 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 there's GS1, there's track and trace, where from the from your office, you can actually just scan a pack of medicine and determine whether it's genuine or fake, determine the factory is manufactured from, determine the actual, the actual, the actual date it was manufactured. You can know that very easily. That technology, it, it, it exists already. There's a lot of technology actually also going to manufacturing. Um, manufacturing is probably not worth class at the moment. And that's one of the reasons why uh, we, we my, my organization recently just led a tech transfer from a global company to a local company. It took us about two years. But we're at a place where we're going to involve tech transfer, a lot of technology transfer uh, there. Even in data management and data availability, a lot of tech still needs to go there. Healthcare financing can also be enabled by technology. Those are areas of so inventory management, the DRFs in the system, drug management can be enabled by technology. Absenteeism of the workforce in hospitals or in the health centers can be addressed by technology. So one, one, one bucket is efficiency. The private sector is very good at that because we've got, a, we, we, we've got the benefit of, um, of experience in that area. The other bucket where the private sector can come in to help to narrow the gap, the very wide gap, is driving effectiveness. We're, those of us in the private sector are, are, are experts, so to speak, at capital, allocation of capital. 
making sure that resources are put where it will have the most impact and where it will have the best returns. Thank you. I, I think you, you, you've spoken to the heart of the matter because these are areas that the private sector does excel in um, and can bring their wealth of knowledge, um, skills and capacity to the government and to improve uh, the health system in Nigeria. Thank you so much. So uh, I'm going to go back to you, Leslie Ann. Although I has already addressed that question, I don't want to make her repeat herself. Uh, but I think Leslie Ann has a final question for the entire house. Over to you, Leslie. Thank you, Tinu. Really appreciate the, the frankness and the thoughtfulness of your responses. So we, you know, we've moved from one of the foundational blocks of the health system. We've moved through the potential transformative impact of health insurance. You know, we've looked at making the case for investing in health system strength in a way that's sustainable and helps to drive demand. So my final question, I'm going to direct it first to Odenayo and then to Kunle and then let Prof have the final word. But um, Odenayo, final question, any burning comment or suggestion that you want to leave us with as your closing remark? Uh, thank you, Leslie. You know, the, the, the stakeholder uh, perspective really is, is the way to go in terms of seeing everyone, both the, the, you know, the public sector, the private sector as um, key stakeholders in transforming or strengthening uh, the entire health system in the, in the country. Uh, however, I think for me, uh, like I said, scale is so important. The public sector is by itself churning out policies and all of that. Uh, the public sector, the private sector is intervening in several ways. But I think if we can find, uh, if we can converge and find, you know, find a confluence, then uh, we will begin to make uh, progress. Because at times, um, both sectors can be very territorial. Um, Kunle has talked about a lot of things to do. Yes, technology, amazing. 5G enables uh, robotic surgeries, you know, telemedicine is, is fantastic. But the truth is, um, health remains, you know, the, the, within the, the public sector domain. And so is, is the public sector willing uh, to be open-minded, you know, to the private sector? Uh, and also is, is the private sector willing to come to the table with all uh, that she has. Let me just assume the, the private sector is female now with all that she has. After all, it's IWD month. So, so I think for me, if we're able to get that confluence, you know, we converge, then we begin to, to make progress. Uh, because I tell you, uh, as with everything, it's about a business case where there, there are no um, advantages not selfish advantages, but even advantages for the larger populace, the private sector isn't gonna come into that you know, uh, conversation. But I think you know, to round it all up, I, I just wanna encourage every uh, private sector-based uh, organization that will listen to this podcast to do as much as they could within the communities they operate, at least pending the time that we can get to have that uh, that convergence. But I think that's also something that is on the plate of private sector to court the public sector, to court government and you know, show them 
working together, we can achieve a scale. Thank you. I love that you have thrown down a final challenge there with those closing remarks. Thank you. Kunle, same question to you. Anything burning that you would like to leave us with? Thank you very much. Um, uh, in, in the final analysis, when you look at it, uh, education, uh, is, uh, education and healthcare are uh, probably two of the key pillars of a, of, a just, of a just and equitable society. And some will say uh, healthcare first, because it's, it's only when you're healthy that education really um, would have the desired impact. Uh, unfortunately, our current healthcare system in the country, frankly, is weak, and it's not getting as strong as quickly as we all would want it. And I think the, the scope exists for more collaboration between the private sector and the public sector. And I think those collaborations uh, would, be, would, be, would be very, very important for us to have an acceleration of progress with the health system. So as much as possible, what patient is doing is fantastic. Um, and then having this kind of conversation so as to bring forth what the private sector is able to offer and to also mention and say the private sector is available to collaborate and to support. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Thank you for leaving us both with those very powerful remarks. Um, so, Professor, over to you for the, the final comments in terms of anything that you would like to leave us to think about, um, us here together, but also everyone who's going to be listening to this podcast. Whatever you want to do in the health sector, there is need to be a very good understanding. And uh, there is need to be a systematic uh, review systematic purposeful review so that roles and responsibility can be understood and appreciated, gaps can be identified, and opportunities for intervention can be, can be uh, identified as well. So that whatever intervention we are going to do, it will be evidence-based. Uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not supposed to be haphazard. And uh, we must have it at the back of our mind that our population is very big and uh, our system is a little bit uh, different with, uh, with a unitary system. And uh, there is need for a lot of engagement to keep people uh, abreast of what is, uh, what is happening. And there is huge activity for the private sector in Nigeria, depending on how properly it is diagnosed and depending on how the gaps are identified and depending on how readiness of the, for the private sector to interject to ensure that the gap is closed. And I want to say that uh, the, I concur with the last uh, speaker, the private sector is known for efficiency. And uh, uh, while, while we are looking at that efficiency, whatever private sector we should do in the healthcare, it should not lead to increasing costs. Very, very important. Uh, it should not lead to uh, too much increase in costs uh, because of the level of, the, uh, of poverty in Nigeria. Uh, according to the UNDP, more than 70% of the population is living below poverty. So as we are living, as we are doing that, we have to factor the fact that a lot of social uh, intervention will, will, will be required so that uh, uh, with, the, with the economic growth, with increasing GDP, more and more people will be able to afford to, 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 to pay for the services that is, that is coming. 
Thank you so much for Professor and, and reminding us with that final comment that it really is about ensuring everyone has access to healthcare that's quality and that they can afford. And I would like to say my personal thanks to everyone for joining this conversation and for your insights and perspectives. And I'm going to hand back to Tinu to wrap us up. Thank you, Tinu. Thank you, Leslie Ann. And thank you so much to our distinguished guests. I know today is a very important day and we're all pressed for time. And I really appreciate your making out the time to come and being part of this robust uh, discourse on how we can improve health in Nigeria. Thank you so much. We will reach out to you again. We need your support. We need your conversation starters. We need to get these conversations started. Um, so closing out, wishing you a wonderful weekend, and we'll send you details of how to get uh, the podcast. So for more about what we're doing, please check our website, www.hishan.org, P-S-H-A-N. Have a wonderful weekend, and thank you so much again. Thank you.